Father, we pray that you would help us in Jesus' mighty name. That you would help us to hear the word of God preached. Help us, Lord, to be listeners of your word. God, we want more than anything to hear your voice through the pages of Scripture. And God, that you would make us more thirsty for you to satisfy ourselves in you alone than in any other thing. So God, the Holy Spirit, keep moving in our midst. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people say, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning again. There's a a new movie coming out called The Avengers. Are you familiar with The Avengers? Saw it last night. And so uh, it's playing actually over here, but don't go see it right now during my message, all right? It's going to be playing at 10.30 or 11 o'clock today. But the reason why I say that is because there is one who avenges us, and that's Jesus. And so he comes to our rescue. He is our hero. And so if you need a hero to hold on to, it's not going to really be Iron Man or Batman or Superman or any of those others. It's going to be Jesus, who needs to be your Savior if you don't have him as your Savior. And so our prayer at Harvest Reading is that you would repent. You, you would turn your life over to him and lay it down and give your life completely to him. I want to begin a new series with you that we're titling Thirst Quenchers. And uh, I don't know about you, but I need to quench my thirst right now. And so I have a water here somewhere. It's not here. It was here. I put it somewhere. I think it's over there. So take your Bibles and go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to begin a a five-week series on thirst quenchers. And today we'll be in Deuteronomy the eighth chapter, and I want to look at verses 1 down to verse 20. God has designed our bodies for thirst. Has anybody ever really had an intense thirst in your life? Raise your hand. You've, you know what thirst is all about. If you've never thirsted, uh, you would be dead. You wouldn't be here right now. And so we need to understand what thirsting for God is really all about. Yeah, I got double waters. Wow, double blessing. Thanks, man. 55 to 75 percent of our bodies are made up of water. Our brain and heart is made up about 73% water. Our lungs, 83%. And water lubricates our joints, and it lubricates various parts of our bodies. It prevents our skin from becoming dry. We need water to survive. Our bodies require it. Our brains send a signal uh, when our body is requiring water that triggers a thirst reaction. We call it hydration. When our bodies don't have enough water, what is it, Ricardo? What's it called? dehydration well how about if you don't like water right some people don't like water well what's happened to you is that you've changed your palate and you've put different sensations on your palate different textures on your palate different flavorings on your palate and so your palate has been changed and that's why you don't have a desire for water let me define uh, what Thirst is a feeling of needing water. Isn't that pretty simple? Well, not really. Most people don't quench their thirst properly physically, but for our series, we're going to be talking about quenching our lives spiritually. And in fact, a lot of Christians or professing Christians don't quench their thirst for God on a regular and consistent basis. And we need to look at that. Let me define what quench is. That means to satisfy. To satisfy. And we're going throughout our lifetime trying to satisfy many longings of the heart. 
And so maybe throughout your lifetime, you've tried to satisfy uh, maybe a, an emptiness or maybe a, a feeling of pain or rejection or uh, abandonment or, or any of those things, and you've tried to satisfy this longing. You've been thirsting to try to fill that void with something other than God. And we need to go through this series together as a church and really find our satisfaction in God alone. Would you agree with that? God is the quencher of every thirst we may ever have in life, and he quenches it with himself. I remember years ago going through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of humiliation, all of those places of darkness, and I said, God, why am I going through this? And why does it have to be so hard? And what is the result of all of this? And what am I going to get out of this? And he said to me very clearly, almost audibly, he said, Chris, I'm giving you myself. I want you to satisfy the longings, the thirstings of your soul with me. That's what he was saying to me. And that's what he's going to say to all of us as a church. Because some of us, often most of us, are trying to satisfy the longing of our heart with so many other things other than Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who thirst. God is the quencher of every, every thirst. I'm going to say it again, every thirst that we may ever have in our lifetime. And all that we ever experience in life is ultimately meant for us to have a real personal and experiential encounter with him. And this is what I, my heart's desire is for here when we worship. Oh man, just don't stand in a, in a chair. Just don't be there and send up a song that's going to hit the ceiling tiles and bounce back. If you've got the anointing and the spirit of God dwells within you, then be open to that spirit moving in your life during a song so that you'll lift up your voice to him and say, Jesus, I love you, I worship you, I glorify your great name. But if it's only coming out of your mouth, then you might have spiritual dehydration happening. If it's not moving you experientially, even emotionally, and even expression, then there could be some de dehydration spiritually in your heart. And you might be satisfying yourself with something other than Jesus Christ. God will often take us through dry and difficult places. Many of you know dry and difficult places so that our thirst will increase. It'll intensify and for God and be satisfied only in what he offers. So what are thirst quenchers of the soul? What are these? Well, they're not soda. If you drink soda, that's not going to quench your thirst because the high sugar content. You're not going to quench your thirst, obviously, with coffee not even juices are going to work or alcohol it's water spiritual water for your soul we need to drink it in psalm 42 verse 1 david said this as a deer pants for the uh, flowing stream so pants my soul for you O god my soul thirsts for god for the living god Listen to what Erwin Lutzer said. He pastored Moody Church in Chicago for many years, a great and godly man. He said this, and I'm quoting, Christians must long to draw closer to God. If we are quenching our thirst at the forbidden fountains, we have no reason to expect God to be satisfying. I hope you heard what Erwin Lutzer was saying there. There's forbidden fountains, and I'm going over here, and it's, it's going to be in drugs, and, in, and then I'm going over here, and it's going to be in pornography, and I'm going over here, and it's going to be an overeating and gluttony, and I'm going over this way, and it's going to be in something else, and I'm trying to satisfy this place in me. And if I'm not turning to God, as Uren Lutzer says, and I'm not finding my satisfaction, I'm not taking in the living waters 
then I'm going to be experiencing spiritual dehydration for the rest of my Christian life, my life. I can remember years ago when I was a kid, I used to play outside a lot. Do you remember? Well, you really can't play outside as kids as, as much anymore because of all the weirdness that's going on. But when I was a kid, my mom and dad would say, okay, go out and play. And so I'd go out and play, and I'd go get lost in the neighborhood. I wouldn't wear any shoes. You know, it was a hot, summer, humid day down in Delaware, and I'd be out there sweating and having fun. And, you know, I'd have grass stains on my feet when I'd come home. And I remember one time I was so thirsty, just even thinking about it now, I was so thirsty I was in a panic. And I started running home, and I'm running, and I'm running, I'm running. I just needed to get a drink. So when I went into the house, what did I do? right for that, that faucet and I filled up the biggest glass and I just quenched my thirst and I thought I was going to die. I'm just a 10-year-old little kid. I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. And so I was drinking that water down. If we could only have the passion and the desire for Christ and for the glory of God, if it could be that intense inside of me and inside of you as when I was just a little kid wanting a drink of water because I was scared, I was going to die. What are some thirst quenchers? I'm going to give you one, and here's one, and we're going to build on this a little bit. Like I said, there'll be five of them when we're done our series. Here's how you quench your thirst spiritually, and it's in the title of this message. Don't forget the Lord your God. Don't forget God. How many people have a hard time remembering things? Raise your hand. You forget easily, right? Okay, wait till you get over 50. You're going to be like, overwhelmed with how much you forget we forget a lot we have so many new people coming to harvest reading and i try to remember names but often i will forget please forgive me there's a lady that came through a couple weeks ago and i said hey your name is <laughs> and i said this name nope wrong i forgot we forget things we cannot forget god that's thirst quencher number one that's the title of this message i'm in deuteronomy with you i hope you're there chapter eight and we're going to look at verses 1 down to verse 20. A little bit of background. Who's the author of Deuteronomy? Does anybody know? Let, nice and loud. Moses. First five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. And so Moses is the author, and he's writing. It's a great, great book. I hope that you'll go through it sometime. But we just want to spend some time in chapter 8. In these verses are two ways that will help us to not forget God. Not forget God. If you have a little handout, I hope that you do. And then there's some blanks there if you want to fill those out. And then on the back of that, we'll go through some announcements. But take this and, and write these two ways that you can not forget God out of the text. The first one's in verses 1 down to verse 10, which we'll look at. It's by having an ongoing and careful reflection on all the ways that God has been present in our past and how he provides for us in our present. There it is. It's probably on the screen behind me, right? Hold on to this. Let's go into it a little bit deeper here. Careful reflection on all the ways that God has been present in our past and how he provides in our present. I use the word uh, present intentionally to show that, that God, God is present. Uh, you would theologically maybe use omnipresence. God is he's everywhere present. But there is a, a spiritual and theological truth where God manifests his presence in a greater degree or maybe it's a revelation that we get where our understanding or our discernment is just opened and, and all of a sudden it's God and, and we know that he's there, he's present with us in a very powerful and profound way. Have you ever had that happen to you before? 
where you know that God is showing up? I just wish that God would show up every time in that form. I know he's omnipresent. I know it theologically, but I'm talking about something much more than that. So I use this word intentionally to represent that God's presence, his presence is there. He's among his people. He is moving and that he is very, very present in the present. Now, the present there, I mean in real time. Schaefer, Francis Schaefer would call it space time. He is there in real time. In other words, he's here in real time. So his presence is present now. And listen, it has always been that way in your life in various forms. I want to look at verses 1 to 10. Look at verses 1 to 10. Look at verse 1, chapter 8, verse 1, the whole commandment. Let me just stop right there. Now, you might say, if we're going to go this slow through the text, we're going to be here about three hours, and the Avengers will be over by the time. Verse 1, I'm not going to go that slow through it, but I just want to highlight some words. The word whole. Moses is saying the whole commandment. And so I just want to spend a little bit of time. This is not selective hearing. This isn't bits and pieces of the word of God. This isn't, I'm going to take this scripture, and I'm going to, I really like that one. I'm going to follow that one. But these over here, I'm not. Moses is saying, you need to receive you need to have all of the revelation of God. Now, obviously here, it's limited. We have all the 66 books, but they didn't have that at the time. But whatever God revealed, the whole commandment, not bits and pieces, it's not selective learning. Has your mom or dad ever said, you have selective hearing or selective learning? You know, Christians have that. You know, God will speak a hard word to you through a preacher and you'll be like, push back. And you're gonna say, no, I don't want that one. Oh, but then they'll say something that you really want to hear, and then you're like, yeah, bring it on. I want more of that. That's not the kind of Christianity God's calling us to. It's not what he's saying here to the people of God in Deuteronomy chapter 8. We need to have the whole revelation of God. And when God reveals himself, and he's going to reveal himself in various ways, sometimes he's going to reveal himself as a discipliner in your life, a corrector in your life. You remember your mom and dad doing that to you, right? If I back talk to my mom and dad, if I swore, I'd get soap in the mouth. Or I'd get a switch. You don't see too much of that nowadays, right? Because all the just different things that can happen and all that. But my mom had a wooden switch. And she would take that thing, and if I wasn't behaving to my two brothers, she would use that switch. She would discipline me. And I would think that she didn't love me. Oh, you, oh, you hate me, and I hate you. It wasn't true. Mom loved me. She was disciplining me. And then I grew bigger, and she one day used that wooden switch, and it just busted off my shoulder pieces. I just looked down at her. I was like, <laughs> then she went out, went out and bought a plastic one. But some of you are thinking, well, I've been disciplined a lot as a Christian. Well, it's because he loves you. He's going to reveal himself in different ways. Maybe as a discipliner. Maybe as a compassionate and gentle God, he's coming up next to you. And he's going to give you that word. Receive it all. No, God, I don't want you to discipline me. But I, got, I want you to be gentle and loving. People of God in the Old Testament were selective. Selective. And Christians today can be that way too. Let's continue just a little bit further into this uh, because I want you to see it. Notice uh, this, isn't, this isn't a suggestion. This is a command. The whole commandment, right, that I command you today. Now watch this next phrase. You shall be, what's the next word there if you're in the ESV or maybe another version? What's the word there? It's careful. It's careful. This is like, this is like uh, um, we have to be careful 
to receive all of the word of God. Verse 11, you'll take your eyes there real quick if you want. It says, take care. We'll get eventually to verse 11. There's this concern. There's this focused attention on something important to us. That's what it means to take care or to be careful. God is giving his word, and this is important. He thinks it's important. And so be careful with it. Preachers need to be careful with it. When we say we need to be careful, we're applying that in various ways in our life. If you cross a street, we were in Nashville recently, the place was packed of people and just cars and buses. And, you know, and, and so my wife and I were walking the streets of Nashville, and, and uh, she has a tendency just to want to just like, let's go. You know? And I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm Mr. Careful. I'm Mr. Safety. You know, I'm grabbing her hand, and I'm saying, well, let's wait. You know, I'm a little bit more careful. When you walk across the street, you're going to be careful. When you're in, in taking care of your health and making sure that you eat right, you're being careful. There's so many things. When you're in a public place with your kids, you're being careful with your kids. Let me ask you a question. Are you careful with the word of God? You're saying that's the preacher's job. No, it's your job too. The whole word of God goes out to you. And then you're careful with it. Oh, God, help me to be not selective in my learning or my hearing. Help me to live it all. This is where he's going with this. With God, he's saying this to us. Be careful when we don't do what his words say. The word of God begins to fade into the background of our lives. And it begins to slip away. And many other things begin to take place in our minds and this word was given to them. He refers to their fathers. Isn't that what it says? The word was given to their fathers. Listen, just because you got a word for your mom, your mom was a Christian, your dad was a Christian, they got the word of God back then, doesn't mean you're getting the word of God in the sense that you're actually living. How many people I know through the years of ministry that were raised in a Christian home, but today they're not, they're not carefully reflecting on all that God has done in their life and they're spiritually dehydrated. Listen, don't hold on to what your dad, the word that came to your dad, learn from that, but that needs to be your word from God or your mom. So they were getting the word in times past, Moses says. The word of God must be present. The presence of God must be active, and it must be realized more and more. Our minds need to be filled with the truth. If not, it fades and it moves off into the distance and the dryness of our spiritual life will manifest. This was seen in previous generations in the text. They had forgotten God. Now the teaching is don't forget God. Notice verse 2, take your eyes to the text. It says, you shall remember. Can we all say that? Let's say the word remember. Ready? Remember. Say it again. Remember. God, help us to remember all of those ways that you were present in our past and all of those ways that you've been providing for me. When you carefully reflect on that, your soul is getting quenched. Your soul, you'll feel it if you reflect on that. But if you forget, you'll struggle with spiritual dehydration. I love this. It moves on through the verses. In verse 2, it talks about being led by God. Isn't that what it says? And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you. Man, I think back of the times God has led me. Do you know what happens to me? My soul just feels better and refreshed. God has led all of us in various ways. And notice he goes on to verse 3. Not just led us, but what? He fed us. 
God is leading us and he's feeding us. And so we're careful to reflect on two of these things that Moses is giving to us. Take the time. Take the time to see the hand of God guiding you. There's no doubt that God has been involved in your life. I'm telling you, if you're a rejecter of God right now, and if you've been rejecting God all of your life, I still believe he's involved in your life somehow. I really do. The only thing is you need to repent quickly because your time might be be coming to an end. And that wouldn't be good. So become a Christian today. Accept Jesus. I love this, that we're being led and we're being fed. God is feeding us. This is a wonderful, we find ourselves spiritually dehydrated when we don't carefully reflect on this. And this happens when we lose our spiritual urgency to keep hydrated, to take steps in satisfying our soul with God. What are the forbidden fountains? I've mentioned a couple of those already. What are you turning to? What fountain are you drinking from? If it's not God. Again, last night I was parked outside of Staples. My wife went in there to, or not Staples, Hallmark, and she went into Hallmark, and I just watched all of the people filing into the package store by the dozens, over and over again. This one lady, she got out of her car, it wasn't raining or anything at that time, and she did a full-on sprint to the package store. I mean, a sprint? What is she doing? And it says up on the sign there, it's in Exodus where we are, it says, good spirit. That's not good spirit. That's not doing her good. She thinks it is because she wants to satisfy a longing inside of her. She's broken. She's hurt. She's wandering. She's confused. But it's Jesus. How often do we turn to forbidden fountains and start drinking from them? Anyway, it was 40 years, it says in the text, that God was leading them and feeding them. It says 40 years. Man, God had been so gracious and faithful to them. He was involved in their life, and it was a humbling. It was to test them, the word of God says. And it's the same for you and I. We're being tested to see what's inside of our heart. God is most concerned with what's going on inside my heart than what's going on in the external, the circumstantial. We're so circumstantially focused as human beings it's not even the main thing the main thing is what's going on inside of our heart and so he's bringing this to their attention he wants to warn them this is a very much a warning chapter to the people of god to remember to not forget god he's trying to capture our heart hey guys do you remember trying to it's like the the woman you had your eyes on you know and, and you wanted her heart you wanted her heart to belong to you remember that and and you were doing all kinds of things and you know my wife and i started off as friends we were just really good friends and there's a whole long backstory to all of that and there's usually two sides of the story so if you want to hear both sides ask her how we met and how our relationship developed and at first i was just friends you know and and i was just she was one of my best friends and i can remember though that uh, and she had feelings and and I was a jerk you know towards me and I was a jerk back towards her and and all of that and so there was a point in our relationship where we were spending some time kind of separated and then one day I was in the cafeteria I'm in college Liberty University and she comes walking in with the quarterback of the football team Paul Johnson 
And I just sat there, and there was something that happened in my heart. And I'm looking at the two of them laughing, walking, you know, into the cafeteria. And it was jealousy. There was some envy inside of my heart. I wanted her heart. This was just the beginning of wanting her heart. And I wanted her heart to be for me and not Paul Johnson's, right? And I used to say to Lisa, I can still throw this football farther than that guy. God is after our heart. He's trying to capture our heart. And he wants our heart, not because we have to. This isn't legalism. This isn't like I have to do this. If, if my wife asked me, so you're married to me because you have to. Sure, if your wife were to ask you, gentlemen, it, it, you know, why are you married to me? And you say to her, because I have to. I mean, what kind of response are you going to get? It's because of love. Some of you have been trying to follow Jesus because of a legal thing. Rules and regulations and, and your heart is something inside your heart that wants more of God, but there's something wrong there. And these rules have pushed down on you and you're not free. And at Harvest Reading, we want people to be free. And it's all about loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? This is where Moses is wanting these people to not forget God and to carefully reflect on all the things that God had done for them and leading them and feeding them. God is always leading us to a good land. And some of you are thinking, I don't know, my future doesn't look too good. He's always leading you to a good place, always. It's who he is. He's a good God. It's a good land. It's too easy for God to slip away from our current thoughts. Our minds get so full of what's happening in front of us and we forget what God has done in our past. I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you to do something when you get in your cars. Uh, try to drive home without looking in your rearview mirror. No, not really, because that, I don't want to be liable to that, but you're not going to be able to drive very far without looking in your rearview mirror. You need to. Oh, but I'm just going to keep looking forward. I've listened to so much Tony Robbins. I'm, I'm just going to look so looking forward. I'm just going to be positive. I don't want to ever look in the past. Yeah, you need to look in the past. We do. It's like looking in the rearview mirror of your car. If you don't look in that car rearview mirror, you're not going to be able to make it to where you need to go. And I'm not saying you need to live in the past, but we need to look back. We need careful reflection on all of the ways that God has been with us. He's been present in our past and what he had done to provide for us. He's fed us. So look in your rearview mirror of your life. God is a feeder. I love this. God is a feeder. It says here he fed them with manna. What is that? I mean, it doesn't say filet mignon. Come on, it doesn't say escargot, right? It says manna, which is bread. This isn't lobster. What, what are you thinking? What is your favorite dish? Think of your favorite dish that you could get, and it falls out of heaven for you, Right? wasn't that way at all. Why manna? Why wasn't it the top delicacy of, I, I don't know, probably because God wanted to test them again. Are you going to be satisfied and be grateful for how I provide and feed you? And of course, what did they do about that bread? They complained. Some of us are complaining. God has fed you. You're saying, but he hasn't fed me with what I really want. No, just be grateful how he's fed you, what he's done. Reflect upon that. I remember my mom, she would make dinner for us. And when my mom and dad separated and divorced, and way, 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 way back, uh, she would be making meals. And I hated chili, man. Oh, chili is awful. And so she would make chili. And I'd say, Mom, Mom, what's for dinner? She'd say, chili. I was like, no, 
Oh, you don't love me. I know you don't love me. You used to hit me with the spatula. And now, you, now it's chilly. Mom loved me. And, and she was doing the best she could as a single mom. And she did that and manifested that by feeding me. Did I like chili? Did they like the manna? No. But be grateful for that. Be grateful and thankful for that. I love this in verse 4. If you look at there, verse 4 it says, uh, and verse 3, let's go into it. And he humbled you and let you hunger. He let you hunger. That's interesting. And he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Who said that in the New Testament? Do you remember? Jesus said that. He quoted that. Matthew chapter 4. Let's keep going through the text. Verse 4. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Isn't that awesome? I was in Chicago, and I, I went to thrift stores. I became a thrift store junkie. And so these are still two shirts that I bought, and these bad boys were only like $2.50. I couldn't believe it. I would say, Lisa, I'm going to the thrift store. And it was like a challenge for me. I never bought these brand new. These belonged to somebody else, but I bought them for $2.50, and I wore them when I was in Chicago. I still wear them once in a while. Will these ever wear out so that nobody can buy them from a thrift store? Yeah. But their clothes didn't even wear out. That's just phenomenal to me how God enabled that to happen. Are you carefully reflecting upon the presence of the Lord in your past? Are you carefully reflecting on the fact that God has provided for you? Take a moment to do this, and we'll go on to number two. In your mind, just close your eyes. Just quietly, don't even say anything out loud. Just in your mind, just go. Just carefully reflect on how God has been there. And he's shown up here. Oh, yeah, he was right there. When my spouse left me, he was right over there. I didn't see it at the time, but now I see it. Yes, Lord, you were there. When there was nothing in the cupboards, and then this miraculous provision came. Yes, Lord careful reflection on all of that, the past presence of the Lord and how he provided for you. You do that every single day, you're going to quench your thirst. You're going to quench your thirst. It's happening even right now as you're doing that by the Spirit of the Lord. Number two. Write this in the blanks there. Number two. By an ongoing and committed repentance when we don't fully follow his ways by straying into places of personal sovereignty. This is from verses 11 down to verse 20. So put those words right in there. I'm calling it personal sovereignty. You'll see what I'm talking about in a moment. Verse 11. Notice verse 11. Starts off by saying, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Has anybody ever said to you, take care? I say that when I say goodbye. I said that to some of the pastors down in Nashville. We were meeting with a lot of the Harvest Bible Chapel leaders from around the world, and I would say to them, now take care. What am I saying to them? I want them to intentionally uh, do things in their life that would make it certain that their life is going to go well. Take care. I want you to take care. This is what Moses is saying to the people of God, but in a spiritual sense. I want you to do all of those things that are going to align in your life so that you follow the word of God. 
so that your life will go well. That's taking care of you spiritually. That's where he's going with this. Let me ask you, do you take care of things in your world? Sure you do. You take care of your car. You don't change the oil, what's going to happen to your car? It won't be much of a car after a while. It's going to blow up. You take care of your bodies. You shower. You comb your hair. You do brush your teeth, all that kind of stuff. You know, you take care of your home. You take care of your kids. Uh, you do those things. That's what we do. We take care of things. But do we take care of our soul? How many of you before, don't raise your hand on this. How many of you before you even came to church were like, God, I just want to meet with you. I'm coming to church. I'm going to meet with you. I want you to be lifted up. I want my life to be vertical in the service. I want to hear the voice of God. How many of you did that? Are we taking care? Let me go through the text with you. Take your eyes to verse 11. I don't think the people of God did much of that. Verse 12, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold multiplied and all that you have is multiplied in your heart, be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. In other words, success comes into your life. Prosperity comes into your life. And if you're going through some suffering right now and loss, you're in a good place. You're in a better place than prosperity. You're in a place because now you're thirsty. You're thirsty. And you're turning to the Lord like never before. And you're saying, God, I need you to be here. I need you to answer me. I need you to show up. But when life gets back to busyness and success and prosperity, he's saying here that that's when we can forget God. He goes on. When your heart is lifted up, you forget the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, verse 15, who led you through the great and terrible, terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of a flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know and that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. I love that phrase, to do good in the end. This is where he's bringing us, to do good in the end for us. Verse 17, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Listen, not forgetting the Lord requires repentance. It requires Ongoing repentance. Committed repentance. It, it requires us to look at the junk in our life and say, you know what, God, that's sin. That's completely wrong. And I apologize for that. Repentance should be a regular, ongoing part of the Christian's life. And if you haven't repented in a long time for anything, you're probably spiritually dehydrated. And you don't even know it. Because those who are wanting God and wanting to move with God and follow God and obey God are consistently seeing their sin and going, doggone it, I repent of that, God. I'm sorry. And it's almost a daily thing. Not that you're walking in man guilt, but you're walking in Holy Spirit speaking to you things that you need to change. And sometimes it can be daily, even maybe hourly at various times. But if it stretches way out to once a month, yeah, I'll say sorry once a month, maybe every six months, there's a serious problem with your soul. 
We need to be repenting regularly. Or you'll forget. And pride is that thing inside of us that keeps us from repenting. We want to be sovereign. We want to have this personal sovereignty that I was talking about. We want, we want to be on the throne. And so we live a horizontal way of living and not a vertical way of living. I get a kick out of uh, that little uh, magnet that we gave out at, at launch if you're with us. And if you don't have a, a vertical logo magnet, then they're at the, the merchandise table at the vertical cafe out there. And so, but a lot of people who are at launch got those. We gave them away just saying thanks for everybody that was at launch. And now I'm finding that they're on the backs of people's cars, which I encourage them to do. And so um, Emily and Adam have it like right on the front, man. It's cool. It's like right on the front like it's uh, the Batmobile or something, you know. And, and so if you can stick that thing on the back of your car, it'll stick to a, anything metal. You know, you're going to keep that on there for a long, long time. And I, I have those too. I have a logo on the back of my car. And, and often I'll just forget it's there. You know, we'll forget to live vertical lives. Putting a logo on your car is going to maybe remind you for a while. But there's much more to live in vertical. And don't go into that horizontal way of living. And that's where the people of God had been. Repentance, that's, that's putting yourself before God and saying, God, I am not God and you are and you're on your throne and I am not on your throne. I mean, listen, you wouldn't go to Buckingham Palace, right? Can you imagine going to London, get on an airplane, you go to London, you go up to Buckingham Palace, <laughs> You know, let me in. You know, and you go right in there. You go to the throne, you know, where the king and the queen usually sits. And you plant yourself right down there. And you say, no, I'm the king of London or England and the United Kingdom. No, you wouldn't do that. That's exactly what we're doing as Christians. We're going into the, the throne room of God and we're saying, there's the throne. I'm going to put myself there. I'm going to be sovereign over my life. I want complete control over my life. You're not God. I'm not God. When God is sovereign, when he is in control, when he is doing what only he can do, and I bow before him and I say, God, you are God and I am not. I repent of the pride in my heart. I repent of the selfishness. I repent of the unholiness in my life. I repent of this and that and the other. My soul is being quenched. I am not forgetting the Lord my God. Repentance. Let me conclude. I'm going to give you uh, a, a little gift for today. It's a reminder gift. I want you to think about this. It's a piece of, believe it or not, there is gum that is called quench gum. Never had a piece. I used to have the old days. It was called Gatorade. And if you were thirsty, you had a piece of Gatorade gum. But I actually found on Amazon something called quench gum. I said, this will be perfect. I want each of you to have a piece of this when you exit the auditorium. Leisha's going to be out there. Raise your, raise your hand, Leisha. That's Leisha. She's going to have, take one of these. I don't want you to drink another drink of anything until next Saturday. Okay? And so on Saturday, when you're super, super, super thirsty, I want you to take the gum out, and I want you to eat it. I'm only kidding. Don't do that. You won't, you won't live, right? drink every day but I want you to hold on to this and when you do get thirsty throughout the week I want you to take this and I want you to chew on it and I want you to remember something I want you to remember this that it's not this <laughs> this is not going to be your thirst quencher 
your satisfaction that you need to find for your longing soul will be God himself. It'll be Jesus Christ. And so when you take this, you'll be thirsty. I'm feeling it right now. I could really go for this. And then you're going to take that. And you're going to put that in your mouth. I want you to think, God, no, it's you. It's you that satisfies me, that quenches the longing of my soul, my thirsty soul. God, it's you. Help me never to forget you. Help there to be careful reflection on all the things you've done in my life, how you've led me, how you've fed me. May there be this commitment to you, O oh God, as I'm chewing this. May there be this commitment to you, O oh God, of, of repentance that's ongoing in my life. And I promise you, you will not forget God if you do that. Amen? Do you receive that? Do you receive that? Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us by the spirit of the living God to take Deuteronomy 8. We certainly don't want to fall into those same places that uh, the people of God did for 40 years wandering. You were so gracious to feed them and give them manna from heaven, yet they complained. And so, God, you're still gracious and merciful to us in very similar ways when we complain against you. We want, God, more than anything, never to forget you. And so, thirst quencher number one, Lord, would you help us to remember the Lord our God May there be this careful reflection in our lives regularly and ongoing of how you've led our lives. You were present. You are present now. No matter what we're facing as far as trials and tribulations and heartaches and difficulties, we reflect on that. You're here. You have fed us. You give us true manna from heaven, which is Jesus Christ. You've given us the Son of God, your Son, and by the Spirit of God living inside of us. If we do this, we will not forget you. Then may there be this repentance, Lord. Maybe there's someone in the church room or the worship center or the sanctuary here that you were saying, you know what, there's something I need to repent of. I've been holding on to this thing for way, way too long. And the Spirit is prompting me, convicting me, and urging me to repent and to turn away from it. Would you do that? Would you just say, God, I repent and I turn from it. I don't want to do that anymore. And I promise you, again, I will say this with confidence, that if you do that, your soul is getting quenched. Your soul is getting, is getting uh, satisfied by the living God. And you don't have to turn to all of those other things anymore because it's God alone. Thank you for your word. May we eat this piece of gum sometime down this coming week and remember the principles and the things we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's all stand to our feet. God, we worship you. Holy Spirit, would you continue to fill us even now as we sing this song in Jesus' mighty name.